Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome aboard once again. The Michelle Mission is off and running. My name is Len, a.k.a. the Bat Tribble of Black Tribble's fame. And I am joined once again by my partner. Uh, Vincent Williams of It's All Soul. That's it. I don't have any kissy sounds or any. any. <laughs> <laughs> and we are joined this evening for this um, journey on the mission by a very special guest. It is the new girl. Charlie Brownskin is in the studio with us. How are you doing, Charlie? I'm great. Our first guest. Our very first guest. Our first guest. Oh, I'm really honored. So like 50 years from now, they'll have to wheel her out and, you you know, you have to come out and, yeah. Can I wear a gown? I mean, I'm going to have on a tuxedo. Yes. There you go. I'm going to have on a bow tie. (laughs) Great. And on this journey, on the... Michelle Mission, we are taking a stop at Medicine for Melancholy. That's what we will be talking about this evening. Um, first, we're going to take care of a little bit of housekeeping. Thank you, each and every one of you who have been following the show on MichelleMission.com, as well as tuning in and subscribing via iTunes and SoundCloud, or if you've been finding the show via Black Tribbles Podcast Network, we really appreciate it. And we Absolutely. Pre- Greatly appreciate all their feedback that they've been giving us, including Dell Wright Jr., who wrote to us in response to uh, one of our recent shows when we reviewed Carmen Jones. Yes, yes. Dorothy Dandridge, um, I guess like the movie that really made her the the star that she is. Mm -hmm. We talked in that movie about the performance of Harry Belafonte. Yes. or, Or I talked about it. Right, the right. lack of performance, and so disrespectful. It's not disrespectful. It's a little disrespectful. How is it disrespectful? It's very disrespectful. How is it? Because you act like Harry Belafonte is talentless. No, he's not talentless. I never said he's not. He's talentless. You said he wasn't a good actor. That's not saying he's talentless. Okay, all right, go ahead, carry on, carry on. He's carry not on. a good actor. So disrespectful. Um, so what? Uh, um, Dell Wright Jr. Thanks for listening, sir. Sent us. He sent us a link to the New York Times.com where they actually list the filmography of Harry Belafonte. We're not going to get into this. Now, Carmen Jones actually was, as I look down here, it was his second film. His first film was Bright Road okay. and, in 1953, and then he starred in Carmen Jones from 1954. He went on to star in Island in the Sun. Yeah. Uh, Odds Against Tomorrow. Uh, also with Dorothy Dandridge, by the way, Island in the Sun. Right. Yeah. The World, The Flash, and The Devil. Um, he starred in The Angel, Levine, Buck, and The Preacher. And of course, I consider his greatest role in, as Geechee Dan. Sure. In Uptown Saturday Night. Do you like Buck and The Preacher? Have you seen Buck and The Preacher? I think I've seen it, but I probably need to see it again. We should see Buck and The Preacher. I mean, we're obviously. We're, gonna, we're watching every right, black right. movie. Charlie, I don't know if you know, we're going to watch all of them. Yeah. Okay, so Bucking the Preacher is nice. Bucking the Preacher, and I think that's one of those Sidney Poitier films that we talked about. He's he is um Buck. I'd like to He is Buck. Harry Belafonte is the preacher. I would watch that with you guys. We'll have to check that out. Where do you fall on the Harry Belafonte scale, Charlie? Well, my parents are from the Caribbean. Okay. So and and my mom's Raising me, I came to know Harry Belafonte as a sexy man. 
<laughs> okay. And um, we sang his music. I really wasn't, um, I was also raised very religious, so we didn't really watch a lot of movies. Okay, um, okay. And as far as he and his acting was concerned, those films he was in, was very much popular culture. So it wasn't something that we consumed. I got you. The music was more folk music. And so it was in line with the way that I was raised. I feel you. I feel you on that. And I love, and I love him. And my mom, it's interesting. My mom has Alzheimer's and she's kind of, um, you know, she's deteriorating on um, the way that that fucking mis- disease does. And Harry Belafonte lights her up. Really? Still. Like she turns into a 20 year old again when I put that on. Well, that's beautiful. So I love him for that. That is beautiful. In bonus points, now Lynn feels bad. So I take that. That's like, like that was a gift <laughs> just now. <laughs> like, thank you for that. <laughs> Lynn, I did not mean to hurt your feelings. No, you did not hurt my feelings at all. You just made him feel bad. Oh, I didn't mean For talking so bad. badly. Well, okay, wait. About the Saint Harry Harry Belafonte. Can whoa, I share whoa. one more thing? Pump the yes. Go ahead. When you were reflecting on his acting ability, though. Yes. Because I have seen a little bit of his acting as an adult. I couldn't help but want to add to the criticism by saying, we're not saying that his best role was Winona Ryder singing. <laughs> <laughs> singing his music in Beetlejuice, but... <laughs> But, but it may be his second best. <laughs> it may be the one that got him the award. I don't think he's bad. I think I think he's a fair to midland character actor. Fair to midland. Fair to midland. Fair to midland. to midland. No, there are bad actors. There are aggressively bad actors. It's a midland. Midland in the, the no, middle. Midland. Fair to midland. See your people from the Caribbean. My people from Alabama. It's fair You're to right. fair to midland. How you doing? Fair to midland. <laughs> How things going to go? Well, I'll be there, you know, God willing, the crick don't rise. So, you know. Which sounds very similar to how the Hobbit speak. See, oh, see. On the Shire, it sounds a lot like. That's wonderful. We are one world. Speak, Frodo. Hey. Hey. What, what else? We Best got? guess ever. Yes, yes. It's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, absolutely. I I'll, know what I'll go along with that. <laughs> All right, go ahead. So thanks, Dell. Yes. Just, just thanks for that. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, we really appreciate it. And uh, Dell also really got into the movie uh, because we, I had mentioned about how the actress. Uh, Olga somebody, James. Olga James resembled Tisha Campbell. Mm-hmm. Betty Lou. Betty Lou played the character. Betty she Lou. played Campbell. Uh, Betty Lou. How she resembled the actress Tisha Campbell. So he sent us another link. He he was link happy. He sent us a link which showed a lot of other uh, actors that maybe look like you know some historically famous people or not necessarily fa- famous people but people from history. And he points out how. You know, that film, Carmen Jones, also featured uh, Pearl Bailey in her first uh, movie role as well. And he points out how a young Pearl Bailey actually resembles Queen Latifah and shows a a picture of a very young uh, Dana Owens, a.k.a. Queen Latifah, uh, juxtaposed against Pearl Bailey. And there is a striking resemblance. There is. There is. There is. There is the Pearl Bailey movie. 
which would probably be a good movie if they did like the Pearl Bailey story. Do you think that? Do you think the Pearl Bailey like does Pearl look like she has like a story uh, in her? Um, absolutely. Old black Hollywood lived through the sixties and seventies. Uh, made commercials in the eighties. Oh, there's no question in my mind. Pearl Bailey would be a great movie. Okay. Every, every black girl is movie worthy. Just so we can put that out there. Okay. There, there you go. True. So there you go. Every, you know what? Everyone may be movie movie worthy. That's true. Um, because I think that Tony Braxton has a story that mm-hmm. is worthy of a movie. It's not worthy of the movie that it got, right. but it's worthy of a movie. Neither is Whitney Houston. Whitney, somebody needs to do the Whitney Houston movie over. And that's and I think that that's why there are multiple movies and books, biopics and biographies right. written about people. I think that for us, for black people, we got to get into this and just yeah. get into like okay, just because someone else did it doesn't mean you can't do it and, and put your spin on it and care about the aspect of their life that you care about. It Like, a person's life requires that. Right. So it's exciting. It's exciting to think that you guys in particular are even bringing out and exposing, you know, us to more black actors that we can go and do more research on and write more about and talk more about. Because, fuck it, say their name. Like, let's do that. All right. There you go. And on that note, ladies, let's say some names. Let's say some. Well, you know what? Let's let's real quick. If you if you can off the top of your head real quick, Vince, name someone that you think right now, if you had the money, you had the budget to make a a biopic of someone right now. Oh, who would it be? Oh, oh, my God. I'm hesitating because I don't even know where I would start. Mac uh, Max Julian. Wow, that's good. From the 70s, a director and star of the Mac, but also a, a director and a screenwriter. Um, oh, my God. Who else would I do? Uh, we only need one, Vince. Okay, because you know I can keep I I know you keep going. Go. You could go. You know, but that, Max Julian is a very good one. I did. I, uh, that, that right off the tip of my tongue, I'll start with Max Julian. I like that. Nice. How about you, Charlie? Garvey. A film Marcus about him. Gar- yeah. I'm surprised there hasn't been. Right. Not, not, not even like a TV movie or anything. I'm, like I'm that. not surprised at that at all because the government either. brought them down. Well, I'm surprised, like you know, like BT or like so, you know, there's so many other outlets now that they haven't had that in the works. Like, like I'm surprised, like the Tony Braxton movie got done before the Marcus Garvey movie. You know what I mean? That doesn't surprise. That doesn't surprise. Oh, that is the surprising. least surprising thing I've heard all day. But Marcus Garvey, that's yeah, Garvey. that's a good one. Yeah, That'd I be think a good it, one. I think it would be more rock and roll than people even. Imagine. Imagine. Yeah. I think it'd be more rock and roll than that. The so-called um, Hendrix movie. Yeah. There were a couple of Hendrix movies. There were two. Yeah, there were at least two. And, yeah, well, and neither of them were. That, well, well, they can't get the rights to the music. Like yeah. they're fighting over, you know. So. Yeah, they, they can't get do the, it. They couldn't get the rights to the music for to to uh, Andre 3000's one. Right. Right. Which was really. Not, not I didn't good. even see it. It was not good. I didn't even see it. It was not good. I would say um, if I had the money to do a, a biopic right now, I would do Octavia Butler. That's I a good one. I was gonna say her, but that's a yeah. good one. All right, good. Thank yeah. you. I that's would do a Octavia good one, Butler. I think it, it would definitely be a biopic, but I would in find some way to in, to wrap a little bit of fantasy around it to try and take her life story and have it told in in a world that that like she would have created you know in, in some type of way 
Right. Um, but yeah, yeah, Octavia Butler is a story that needs to be told. I mean, she's, she, wow, she lived an incredible life if you read her. Yeah, oh yeah. Her stories and, you know, what she came through. All right, that's really cool. That's dope. All right. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, it, 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 hey, it hey, it, it, here it is. It says on this little page that he says, Olga James from Carmen Jones has the same thing working as Tisha Campbell. So somebody else actually brought that up. That's great minds. That's a great photo of Tisha, by That the is way, a great photo. She, the photos they publish aren't always easy. Very, yeah, they're not that's always the great, most flattering. That's a good photo. That's a very good, <laughs> very good photo of her. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for us to get into the meat of the program, which right. means it is time for us to do a breakdown of medicine for melancholy. This is a little embarrassing, but I, I kind of forgot your name. I don't know if we ever got there. Yeah, I know we didn't. We were pretty drunk. I'm, I'm Micah. Angela. Nice to meet you, Angela. like the city just pisses you off. Nah, I love this city. I hate this city, but I love this city. San Francisco's beautiful. You shouldn't have to be upper middle class to be a part of that. That's cute. Whose bike is that? It's my ex's. Oh. I took it back. You ever think about how black folks are only 7% of the city? Like, you ever realize just how few of us there really are? No. I don't, I don't want to talk anymore. Let's do some things. What you want to do? I want to dance. Morning always comes too soon. been one night. Can't do nothing about that. So, Medicine for Melancholy is uh, Brian Jenkins' 2008 feature debut. Barry Jenkins. Barry Jenkins' feature debut. And it focuses on a day spent by a young couple after they've had a one-night stand at a party. Uh, Micah, played by Wyatt Sinek, uh, probably most most well known as a correspondent for the um, for the Daily Show for years, and then he's gone on to have a pretty successful career as a stand up and a writer. And um, actually, remember it was a little bit of of a kerfuffle, as they say, when John Stewart stepped down from the Daily Show, and he came out and and he talked about the challenges he faced as oftentimes the only black writer in in the staff room. And um, sure. Joe, played by Tracy Higgins, who has not done a lot of work since uh, Medicine for Melancholy. And in the midst of this day, they talk about race. They talk about interracial dating. They talk about gentrification. They talk about urban living. 
And that is really the plot of the movie. Like, like this is not a heavily plotted movie, and and that is actually part of the reason. I'm I'm a fan of this movie. I'm I'm actually a pretty big fan for a couple of the reasons that that I've said already. First and foremost, I I think just the way blackness is constructed in America, the black ordinary is oftentimes radical. Like, like these are just two, like these just two regular people. Like, like they're not, you know, high level drug dealers with an eye missing and they about to bring together the gangs. And, you know, on the other hand, he's also not the most successful neurosurgeon in Los Angeles living in a beautiful (laughs) condo with a big picture of John Coltrane on the wall. And, you know, and it's Tay Diggs and, and he's got a six pack and he's in me. He just, he the number two aquarium guy in the Bay Area. How about that? He does. It's the number one guy who does corporate stuff. But he says, if you can't afford him, I'm the number two guy. And Tracy um, Higgins, Joe, is 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 really just trying to figure herself out. You know, like she says, she does not have a job. She's sort of living off of her boyfriend. And, you know, if you kind of pay attention throughout the film, she actually exists off of a bunch of people. Like, you know, she talks about her friend that, you know, she, she says she makes T-shirts, but she has to use her friend's um screen press and this, that, and the other. And they're just real regular young people. Yeah. And, and, and you know, I like, like, if it was just that, I would have enjoyed the film. I enjoy the, the, the sort of low scale stakes of it. Which kind of goes along with what I just said as well. Like, like you know, Tim Buckin trying to get his freedom, and and you know, it's like you know, uh, you know, uh, Whitney isn't trying to get away from her man who's in, knocked her down the steps and killed her baby and told her, you know, where's your Jesus now? And you, you know, it's like it is pretty low stakes. So again, the ordinariness of it, I think, is is refreshing when we're talking about this within the context of black films, I like the conversation that they have. I, I, I like this sort of, um, I like, like I wrote down when I, when I was thinking about this, like this sort of post post conversation of blackness. It's like, they're kind of post integration, black people. They're kind of post hip hop, black people. And they're kind of, you know, you have this back and forth between Micah and Joe throughout the film where they're grappling with what it means to be black. And, you know, I think, I think many of us who, who, are, who are black, you know, spoiler, all three of us in this booth are black. I think many of us come with our own opinions and certainly I have my own opinions based on their arguments, but I think um, Jenkins, Barry Jenkins, who also wrote the script does a great job kind of balancing this and you know frankly i think if you're in your 20s i think this is a real conversation that that black people at this age oftentimes have so you know i enjoyed that you know coupled with that this sort of you know what does it mean to interracially date like what does this mean like what are we doing with that so um you know also um i admired that the fact that they had this conversation this is an urban movie. This is this is a movie that really celebrates the city landscape. You, you know, there's so many scenes of them riding a bicycle. 
and it seems like a small thing, but I think a bicycle is such such a, a, a sort of tangible way of getting around a city. And I think in a lot of ways, this film is a love letter to specifically San Francisco and a San Francisco that by 2008 had already ceased to had already started to cease to exist. And, you know, I would certainly say in 2016, like, you know, I think I was in San Francisco the last time, maybe a couple of years ago, it's certainly gone now. Like they, they're already talking about it in 2000. Like it's San Francisco as San Francisco, the way you think about it in our imagination is gone. And, and, and as somebody who loves cities, like I love cities, I, I, I really like the love letter ness to cities in this. And, and then, you know, just this conversation about regentrification or gentrification or, you know, whatever euphemism you want to use when we talk about changing cities. And, and you know, um, the three of us in here, we live in Philadelphia. And, and you know, I don't know, like, how long you've been in Philadelphia, Charlie. Are you a resident? Have you been here forever? Or? I've been here about eight years. Uh, so, so you and I are both transplants. Lynn, you, you are... You're a native. Born and raised. So you're a native. You've been here eight years. I've been here. I think my wife and I got here maybe about 13, 14 years ago. So we've seen how the city has changed just since, you know, just in the past 10 years. And it really is this sort of, to use the title, it's this melancholy that you feel about the way the city used to be, the way the city is changing. You know, you could argue it's changing for the better in some ways, but in a lot of ways it's not. And oftentimes the way we the way we discuss cities is informed by race. And, I, you know, I love the fact that you have two black people talking about all of these issues, because ultimately, I think I think the, the, the just sort of the, the cut, the cut and dry, hard and fast bottom line reason that I'm a fan of this movie is that this movie I think in a lot of ways does what we're striving to do and that is you have these issues you have these subjects and you have black voices sort of leading the conversation gotcha so that is as we would say my opening salvo I think I (laughs) kind of listed all of my themes and then we can come in as they say unpack them I feel you. I feel you on that. Now, when I mentioned to uh, Charlie a couple of days ago that we actually would be reviewing this movie on uh, on the next stop on the mission, her eyes lit up. I mean, literally, they could have lit Center City. That's how bright her eyes lit up. Because it's pretty bright. If I if I'm not mistaken, Charlie, you are a huge fan of this film. I am. Nice. I am an enormous fan of this film. Um, I I love the way you just broke that down. Um, and I didn't start taking notes quick enough because I wanted to like boom, 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 hit all of the points with a reaction. But I think that the one, the, the thing that sort of um, summates my love for the film is Related to what you said about um, oftentimes cities and the way we we experience cities, there's a narrative that's um, informed by race. Mm -hmm. And I argue that the narrative of this film, San Francisco had the opportunity 
to be represented through a love affair. And we think mm. it seems maybe like race is a thing because they talk about race explicitly. But what we really get to see is this young black love that starts with introspection because I love the part where you say like they're grappling with this conversation and I feel like the speed of the movie allows for not speed so much, but the rhythm of the movie, which involves speed, but the rhythm, which is like speed and stop and pause and continue. Right. It is so well done because there are these spaces where you see the characters having their internal dialogue. Yeah. Yeah. You a lot of them. You see that. You see mm -hmm. the, the tension in a mouth or, you know, the furrow of a brow and you get that they're, they're like thinking to themselves, am I lame for thinking this? <laughs> Will she still fuck me if, sorry, can I cut? Well, this is your fourth. I, th I, was, I was about to say, I so, think it's your fourth one. So, so you're you know. No, you're good. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, like, will she still sleep with me if I say this? What will he think? What will he think about, you know, my truth around this? And you see that. And, I mean, I love, I love the love story. I love the yeah. love story. And I love mm -hmm. that. It's a love story that involves self-reflection. And I think that that is something, the reason why I love this, I loved this movie in 2009 when I watched it, and I love it today is because it's a story that we don't get to tell so often. We get a lot of the dramatics, like you said, where is your Jesus? Or like, girl, you know, I'm just like this, whatever. Like all of that drama, instead of humanizing black experience and saying actually we process too we're not <laughs> right. so sure right right right, right 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 and like that's beautiful and it's slow and like there's a challenge for this movie of like are you gonna sit down and be okay with this like are you patient enough for this mm -hmm. i was going to say that because there's a bravery in doing a black film that starts out maybe the first five, ten minutes of the film, and there's maybe three words of dialogue. Yeah. You know, there's yeah. a bravery in that yeah. in trying to reach that audience. Right. Because that audience, it's one, they, they, one they're so used to rapid fire jokes or whatever, right. Or, right. Or, right. Or, or popping visuals in their face. Right. Um, but for the visuals of this movie to start off with, for it to start off the morning after. And the realization and the realization, like you always hear this euphemism of like the walk of shame. Mm -hmm. And it usually, unfortunately, is always aspired to the woman. But they both are walking in shame. If 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 it's if, if there is some shame there is, involved, there, I would say because there's know, not. Yeah, because I would say, you there's know, I would like say Joe has no shame. shame. No shame. Yeah, Joe was. No, no, no. But 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 they're all they're both dealing with like, oh, man, what just happened? You know, right. like, mm -hmm. you know, they both you know got to brush their teeth with their fingers, you know, which was which was so cool. Yeah, it was so cool. You know, and um, the other thing that that, that neither of you have mentioned, and I'm sure is there, is that this movie is desaturated so much. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's yeah. like it's it's not thoroughly black and white. 
um, there is some colors that that like eke through a little bit. And in in reading on the uh, movie, I thought I was picking up on this, and the the and reading on it, Barry Jenkins actually. Um, you know, uh, uh, cosine of what I was thinking was that the colors would eke in when they weren't dealing with like their identity mm-hmm. or race or anything mm-hmm. like when they were just in the moment and mm-hmm. just learning for each other. You know what I mean? Um, but I love that because in my mind as I was taking it in was that this full relationship, because that's what it was in this night after and this day after it was a full relationship in that day but this full relationship was taking place within the grays of who they are because who she is is this you know woman that is happy with where she is happy with you know her her gallery owner boyfriend who, who it's a long distance relationship who happens to be white Although I would, I would, I would argue. You argue whether argue. Or not she's, I well, don't think so either. Whether or not she's I've, happy? No, I've I've now watched this word. movie conservatively eight times. Like conser- like I teach this okay. movie during a class. I teach eight times. There is nothing in the text that says that she's that white. definitively says that he's white. He's white. That's very true. Micah says it. Micah says, and it. she doesn't correct him. Right. But this is an immense. Joe Laws, damn near from the moment she opens her mouth. Very true, true. because she says so, her name is um, what? Angela. Angela. Angela, right? So a, we don't know for a fact he's white, but more importantly, b, it doesn't really matter doesn't. to the movie. It doesn't matter to the movie. It only matters but to it him. Does. It does matter to the movie because of because of. What's the male's character? Micah. Micah. Because of Micah's what happens to him. Because it matters to him. When he has to confront the fact that for him it does matter. Because he had a white because girlfriend. He cares. But exact well, because of that, because of a number of things, but mm-hmm. that it just does. Mm-hmm. And I think it matters to the movie because there is a nuance to his behavior in that moment when they're in that apartment and he's like being snide and he's like sorry not sorry you know mm-hmm. have ma- having his comments and it, so i think it does i think that it i think that it also says something to her character that she's able to say it doesn't matter mind your business right and then i'll still spend the day with you right cuz i still like you but but it's a day like like that's the thing though True. like you said it's an entire relationship and it really is like there's no there's no reading of these two that there's a happy ever after for them right. as yeah. a couple. Yeah. Right. And she, you know, because for someone who slips and slides in ethics and morality and the truth, she's straightforward from him throughout the film. Yes. You were after. one night stand. Afterwards. We're spending the day together. It's just a day. I'm going to leave. He says, Lee, don't leave yet. And then she leaves at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but but it could be argued that she she only says that after he hurts her feelings. It could be argued that that if you're reading their uh, um, dealing with one another up to that point, that maybe he's breaking through. Maybe he's got her second guessing her situation. It's only after he then has to confront his own feelings and then they angrily come out on the streets that 
she she um you know well no I, I I'm thinking back to when she actually does say that you know you're a one night stand that wasn't that wasn't that was in response to something I can't remember I think that I I hear you and um the fact is that from the jump there was a requirement for both of them to uh volley they were volleying right and so while yes there may have been a blow up i don't think if you can imagine any time when you were already like exhausted by someone but then it like that just tipped the scale yeah right i think that it was more that because they were they were sandpaper right to each other's like you know two by four just from the jump you know Even even in their, again, that introspection of what did I do? You know, like I just did this one night stand. I made these decisions. I don't actually know your name. What is it anyway? You know, yeah. like they were always um, agitating That's each true. other. It was yeah. always like that agitation. Sometimes it was the kind of agitation that gets you bubbles in the bubble in right. the bathtub and it's like exciting and good and sometimes it was that grating that like right the cheese just wearing it down like, yeah. because they're from two different places i think well I'll you know one of the down. things that that you kind of see is is he i mean he's very much on his own like like they're like there's so much of it that even isn't sort of um sort of uh you know just right out there about race you know it's all that you know well where do you live well, well how do you pay rent and you know when she's talking about the shirts he's like well can you make money doing that and he has a, like like his whole sensibility is this i kind of take care of myself i'm in you know i have my little itty bitty apartment like it's a cool apartment but it's an itty bitty apartment and i got this bike and i do this thing and 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 you know and and joe Joe is just going through life like like I'm living with with my boyfriend in this big beautiful condo um you know like I you know I just said the thing about uh the t-shirts and just her whole like and I you get the feeling that she's comfortable with this it's so interesting that you say that it's interesting that you say that and then that you refer to her as being happy and I think that that's a male perspective because you have no idea what it takes to live with a man as a woman, True. as a black woman. True. And so like that medicine for melancholy, I think they were both experiencing this melancholy, but that it's a different, it's, it's prescribed for different symptoms, right? Okay. Like the medicine is being prescribed for different symptoms of the melancholy. So what and, do you think are her symptoms? Well, I mean, I know what it is to be a 20 something woman and to be like, I have all these ideas and I need to fund it and to actually, you know, I, I was in a relationship in my early twenties throughout my entire twenties, actually, where, you know, people had a sense of like, oh, she's a kept woman, you know, like Mm -hmm. she's so happy. She's got this great life. Mm -hmm. Always used to call it, you know, myself and my partner at the time, the hipstables. And there was this sense of like, everything's perfect, but no one could ever understand what in his process I was like dealing with what in like what I was, there's a cost for everything and people forget that. Like I paid it. Like I had to pay that cost to have that kind of life, 
you know? So I think that Joe is paying a cost that we didn't really get to explore. Maybe because it's a male, a man that wrote it. Maybe because it's a male that produced it. Maybe it's because it was never talked about. Or maybe there was like this sense of keep it secret and hopefully someone discusses this film later on and addresses it. But now that you say it, there is a scene that hints to that. Yeah. And I thought I was picking up on it and I just wasn't sure how, how I was to read the scene. But now you saying that um, brings it on home. There's a scene where they have to go to a gallery. She has to go to She has an right, error. Right. She has to go to. to for him. For, 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 her, for her boyfriend. boyfriend yeah. For her boyfriend. And um, after she takes care of the business there, she gets on the phone with him and she's looking out the window and she's talking to him. And there is a little bit of that shown Mm -hmm. in on her face. It's not it's not in the dialogue so much, but it is in her face. It is in the juxtaposition of how the camera shows her off to the right with this grass this great void of the windows uh, to her left. There is a little bit of that that does speak to exactly what you just said. Right. And you saying that like, like, all right, I'm seeing that now. Like uh, I, I, I see where that's touched on. You know why I resist that? Mm. And, and, and I, I can't really say I resist it because your reasoning is off because I can't. Can't say that. Right. I can't dispute what you just said, but I resist it because I really want Joe to not have any repercussions like like I really enjoy like I really enjoyed watching this black female character who had the agency to in a lot of ways have her cake and eat it too like like I really wanted her to ride her bike away at the end and there were no repercussions and she didn't and, and, and you know like like we joke, well, I joke about it because it's one of my favorite hate watches. Um, you know, Tyler Perry's uh, Temptation. Like she didn't get the devil AIDS and and get you know like I, like like that was very like as as someone who loves black women and black women characters and you know and I have a little girl and everything. Like I really want her to like I I want her to get off scot free. Like I don't I don't want I don't want the film. To pass judgment against her, and I get now that. having said that, I can't contradict anything you just said, and that and, and that reading actually makes a lot of sense. Well, and but it makes me sad. And so, and so that's the thing, is that it feels like a a really um, a big thing to be sad for a black girl, right? And we don't want to have to be sad for a black girl. But that's about your experience, not hers. Right. And so it minimizes the actual experience of being a black girl or a. Culture Kings is a podcast on the How Stuff Works Network, hosted by comedians Jackie's Neal and Edgar Montplacier. Every Wednesday and Friday, these two friends dive into topics ranging from sports, music, to movies, style. They wonder whether or not Donald Glover is a genius or a weirdo. They continuously decipher Kanye West's tweets and behavior. They also have recurring segments like Queen of the Week, The List, and Top Fives like Marvel Movies and Video Games. Listen to Culture Kings and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and find out the best way to eat a taco. Oh, what's the best way to eat a taco? Vince, with your hands? With your hands. Also, with salsa 
on top of everything to hold the ingredients down. It's like a layer. It's the layer. Right. So that the lettuce doesn't fall off. Can't have falling lettuce. Black woman. And it's the very thing that existed in, hasn't existed in some of my relationships that I can reflect on is that like, there is this sense of, I don't want you to want for anything, to need for anything, to be sad, to be this, to be that. And it's like, yes, but I'm still human like you are. Let me have it. So she and, can't be human and just enjoy all of these experiences? But I think that that's the thing. I think that her relationship with Micah, that um, to reference Fight Club, the single serving friend, mm-hmm. like that single serving relationship with him gave her the opportunity to have that because what's real is that that's not how our relationships where your lives are intertwined work for anyone. There's always complexity and there's always a cost. And sometimes the cost is um, something that you mourn at times Mm -hmm. and like you have to, uh, you know, you have to bear. And I think that the thing is, and you know, we we're hearing so much about this in the like, say her name, black lives matter, looking at black women and we're seeing like this rise because there is such complexity to black womanhood and we do pay it just like black men pay it. Just like, just like everyone pays it to be Mm -hmm. human. And we have to come away from, we don't have to, excuse me, but like, I think this movie invites us to come away from the, I want to protect you so much. And there's actually a celebration of like, damn girl, I want to celebrate that you had a little vacation from what you had to pay. Yeah. Because right. she didn't owe Micah yeah. nothing. No, she didn't. And it no, was great didn't. for her. Yes. She got laid. Yes. She got some free food. Free food. He Liquor. ran around trying to get weed. her the wallet. Mm-hmm. It was some weed. He's sexy. She got to be sexy. She got to be seen. Because, I mean, don't ever underestimate. I know men experience it, too. Like, being seen by someone and just feeling, like, embodied. Yeah. So she she like she got her little vacation and I don't think there were any repercussions for her from that. Like in mm-hmm. my mind, I don't think she ever had to like explain it. No, because I, no. I, I didn't get the no. feeling she felt guilty at all. Right. Which was amazing. To Which me. is great. Yeah. But part of that and like it explains a lot of the way that like we as humans make decisions is that we decide I'm going to do this and I'm not going to feel guilty because I know what I paid. OK. Right. So I think that there's just like this beautiful complexity to her character that I, I love. Like I've lived that, mm-hmm. you know, and I dig it. And I dig Micah with his little sensitive self, you know, like that was wonderful. And <laughs> he was got, a sensitive brother. Yeah. We, yeah, yeah. We got to see like black boy angst. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I mean? yeah. Because he's going through it. But at the same time, he still get the head. Like, right. Right. Like it's great. Yeah. Because that's what's real. Yeah, it that's is. That's real. Yeah. We still get the head. No yeah. matter. Well, well, Barry Jenkins said that part of the reason he came up with the idea for this film is that he had broken up with his with his girlfriend his lady in San in San Francisco mm. and it was an interracial relationship oh, okay. and he was grap- grappling there's that word again he was kind of trying to figure all that out like what does this mean so you had that piece of it that was very much in the script and then another thing that that I thought was was really kind of uh, funny re-watching it apparently you know Tracy Higgins is an actress mm-hmm. so you know they gave her the script she memorized the script Wyatt Sinek is a comedian 
and apparently he was mad going off the script <laughs> like you know just sort of freestyling sure. so that a lot of those reactions that you see where she's actually reacting to him so like right. those times where he makes her laugh he's actually making her laugh sure. so you know that kind of goes to what you're saying that you know he gets to Sean and she gets to you know enjoy this mm-hmm. you know you like she gets to enjoy the performance on on the on film and off because you know again he's doing his thing there's a point when she says and it gave me chills and actually i watched it again this morning and my six-year-old watched it also and at first he was like this is so slow but he could not move away from it yeah it's so striking yeah he couldn't move away from watching the human interaction but um there's a part where she says you're so weird and like you just know what that is. Yeah. You just know when someone's like, you're so weird. And like, it both means you're crazy. And let me kiss you. Yes. Yeah. Talk some more. Yes. You're interesting. You know, you're so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it is. It's, it's, um, when you're doing like a, a very independent film, which this obviously is, it wears it on its sleeve. Um, from just from the fact that the end credits are literally the the tracks of the soundtrack, yeah, <laughs> you know, which is cool though. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. I, I like that. You know, more more movies should do that. <laughs> um, actually, um, but when you do that, uh, one of the earmarks of an independent film are extreme close-ups, and on a film like this, this warrants those extreme close-ups because you're you're um, rewarded by that, by being taken into those moments. Um, As many as, you know, like, uh, they have sex. They have Mm -hmm. sex in the movie. Yet with all that, and as as well as that is shot, it's shot as a very sexy film, uh, all the way to, you know, the frenetic pace of him looking for and eventually finding the condom, uh, which I thought was like, wow. That is, that is, that's a brother that's been there. I've been there, bro. Oh. You are counting down the second. Boy, oh, that man. Is, I got about 10 seconds. Because you got a window. <laughs> and you fool around and you miss the window. Lord and Jesus. For a lot of reasons, you know. Because she might figure out, yes, this is a bad idea. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. But we almost never think it's a bad idea. Okay, I'm lying. I'm lying. I'm lying. I'm lying. Don't bring that bullshit. <laughs> but, um, but with all that, one of the sexiest um, uh, set of scenes that I have ever seen in any movie is... They're walking, and at one point as they're walking along, for just a brief moment, he puts his hand on the small of her back. Yeah, And he puts it there, and you can see he he feels her back for a little bit, and then he moves moves his hand. And then the next scene, or, or very soon after, you see them from behind, and they're walking up. And she's getting ever so closer to him, ever so closer to like just touching his shoulder a little mm-hmm. bit as she's walking up. Um, eventually until the point where he takes her hand. And that reminded me of a moment. This is probably going back about at least uh, 12, 13 years. Uh, I was doing a play. I was directing a, a children's play and my mother 
had come to help on the play. And one of the people that walked up that was working on the play with me, like, cause I was in this, this theater group and it was a children's play and I was directing all these kids. And one of the, one of the, the ladies that was helping me came up walking up behind me as I was directing and put their hand on the small of my back to get my attention. And I was like, yo, what's up? What's up? And I talked to my mom later and she said, that woman over there likes you. I was like, what are you talking about? Mom? Yeah. The woman that put her, her hand on the small of your back, mm -hmm. she likes you. Flash forward that woman. I've had the, I, I went and had the longest relationship I've ever had with a woman with that, with that lady. Right. Like, Aww. I hate you, mom. You're so right. 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 <laughs> and I was taken back when, when he did that, I, it was so, because you could literally see when he put his hand in the small of her back, just that she, she welcomed it mm -hmm. for that moment. And while she was definitely starting to feel him, there was definitely still a little bit of that sandpaper going, like you were saying. Sure. But at that time, at that moment, it, it, the sandpaper had like kind of like like stopped rubbing, or mm -hmm. and, and met its its where it was getting to. Grooves met. Yeah. Yes, you yeah. know what I mean. It, yeah, the, absolutely. They were yeah. on. They were riding that same beat, and for that brief moment, I was like, "Wow, that is so sexy." Yeah, that is it, it. It's like resonated in my head ever since I've seen it. Did you not see multiple moments of that? Because I feel like there was more of that than. Ooh, mm -mm, maybe I'm lying. I think it maybe was like fifty fifty. There was probably mo more moments of yeah. that, maybe a little bit afterwards, right. but certainly up to there that was point, a lot of there, there was there was there's amazing chemistry yeah. between the, and and the oh, there's chemistry. You know, there's something you said um, earlier, Lynn, about about the the bravery of the filmmaking mm -hmm. and and sort of the respect that he has for the actors like i think part of the reason you have that that amazing sequence at the beginning that's wordless and it works is a testament to these actors true yeah Be, because true. they it really does they it really does tell the story it does you know like you know the whole story all the way up until when he asks her to go get some coffee. Yep. And you know, I'm and and it is from I think that's what kind of makes it so heartbreaking for me that these two are drawn to each other. Like you you get it. Like this isn't this isn't something you see and you kind of see, oh, well, these are just two people that they put on the screen together. Like Wyatt Sinek and Tracy Higgins have actual human chemistry together. Sure. And and you know, I think it's worth noting we've said the the entirety of the cast. Like right. this is a film with just two people. Right. You know, there's some extras, but it's just those two. I think that with regard like yes, the the actors, they had chemistry, right? And so there's that layer of you made a damn good film together. Congratulations. And then when we talk about them as characters, there's for me the sense of and I've been asking this question lately or or making this point lately with folks is that wouldn't the chemistry be different if you guys were dating mm. if you weren't a vacation yeah. for each yeah. other from because your she is a vacation day. for him there's yes. a way to say oh, you, definitely. You, you have to point that out 
she is a vacation for Both him as them. well. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I, that's that. That's and, a, I, yeah. That's or a great like a point. Window. I mean, there's there's like all of these ways that a person can play that situation. You can say, wow, that's a window into like what I want or it's a premonition. Like it's a, you know, it's a sign, you know, something that I've, I've said over the years has been like, um, you know, I feel like every time I date someone, I'm getting closer. You know, I'm kind of piecing together the relationship that I actually want. That you want. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. There's like, there's elements that are coming together. I'm getting closer, but like, would that not have been different? If they were there every day, if she had to pay bills with him off of that aquarium money. Yeah. Yeah. Would she really have that sweater she liked? That's, that's, I think that, and would that she is a fantastic like, you point. shiftless Negro. Right. With your fish, can't you go get, you have a degree, why don't you go teach? Although, you are jobless. You make t-shirts. That doesn't stop anyone. Yeah. That stops no one yes. from judging. <laughs> no, 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 no. Very true. That that also, good not the judgment. This is a good point. But these, then it also affords him the opportunity to see her as quirky instead of being like, you ain't got no job. <laughs> right. you, don't, you don't never pay the phone bill. Right, yeah. right. The phone's got cut right, off. Right, right. It's real quirky when you don't go and blow all the grocery money on cashews. and They were smoking weed. And, and, and weed. They were smoking yeah, weed. They were drinking yeah, liquor. Yeah. That was supposed to pay them to do the laundry. That's real. Because you know they didn't have a washing machine in that apartment. No, man. There was nothing in that I mean again right. again I, I said part of part of the, the reason I love this is that it's such a love letter to living in the city mm-hmm. who hasn't had a little ass apartment right you know True. yeah like, and then sometimes you get a come up and you're the one with the like big ass apartment right right like, right Ooh, right, right. I'm not gonna break up with him I like having this nice. space <sighs> it happens um, one thing I did want to talk about I didn't want to lose this I'm I'm continually interested in their sort of interrogation of the definition of blackness hmm. and and particularly sitting in here talking to, you, you know, frankly, Lynn, because I think I think I think there's been a real shift even in the past 10 years where at least the way I grew up and, and you kind of talk about these things like you had, you know, you had all of this almost it was almost like a red scare of blackness. Like, you know, Oh, you're not acting like you're black or, or you like white stuff. And, 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 you know, and, and, and there was that whole rant where he talks about, you know, you have people on, in the indie scene, but you're indie and you're not black. And, you know, and I think about 2016 and there's, there's been so much of a shift with millennials in particular and, and younger where you have people, something like Afropunk, you know, the website Afropunk where, you know, where I like these elements of popular culture that that, you know, traditionally you would say aren't, quote unquote, black things. But not only do I like them, but I very sort of formally identify as black. And, you know, I talked about you, Lynn, you know, when you think about about how black nerddom has changed right. since we were kids. Right. And and you you know and you have people you know where I'm I'm black, but I like Spider Man. It's not just you know I like Spider Man and, and you know somebody tells me oh it's not like you're really black or or you know well I don't see color and and like you am I making sense? And and I feel like there's been a shift even since this this film where I know so many black people who again kind of push the boundaries 
of of how how race has sort of been described and you know usually by people who aren't black and but at the same time are very vigorously race men and women where you know again where i'm black but i do bad brains and i do like they talked about tv on the radio and you know and i'm rocking a miles morales spider-man shirt because because i'm black and i like this stuff and 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 i got a crew of black people Mm-hmm. And that do this stuff, and this is my crew. So, like when he said, "Oh, you, it's me and and you're in the indie scene. We're always on the arm of a white person." And it's like I can't say that I like this, and and you know my my blackness is sort of scrambled. And I felt like in a lot of ways that moment has passed. Now, is that me sort of having this this you know sort of being super optimistic is, is that you know i sort of tap you know because i i joke with lynn all the time like i'm like philly like philly has factions of black nerds which is amazing to someone like me where it's just like it's just so many black nerds in philadelphia is different crews so it's like so so is that is that me being naive no i don't is think it's being naive okay. I, I think i think i mean has it totally passed probably i think no, because what this is two the movies two thousand eight came out two thousand nine right and we're only seven years seven years past so as it totally passed no but I think that in that seven years with the explosion of social media since that time because remember they're referencing MySpace in this right. movie right you know, right and, and, but since then you know it was Facebook and Twitter you know mm-hmm. and then Instagram mm-hmm. and Snapchat and everything like that with the explosion of social media making the world so much smaller and making it so much easier for you to find your tribe mm. I say that all the time that Found my tribe I think that um that moment while it hasn't completely passed it's passing quicker than it may have been without these avenues uh, in which for it to, to travel out of here. Um, yeah. You've got, you've got like, you know, you've got uh, like the ton of black, black nerds that are down with like my crew, the black tribbles and everything like that. But we still rep identify and roll and appreciate and, and, and ride or die with, the crew of Metro Polarity here in Philadelphia, which is a very Afrofuturistic um, crew of poets and singers and actors and, and activists that maybe on the outside, you know, if if you wanted to, to throw some type of label on them, you might throw hipster, you might throw, you know, uh, uh, quirky or or avant-garde or whatever like that but really at the end of the at the end of the day just like us tribbles they're black right different shades of black we're different shades of black geeks but at the end of the day we're different shades of black i don't think anyone puts their crew of in front of the substantive matter that has comprised the crew right i think that like you'll never see Metropolarity or Black Tribbles be greater than the whole and like the individuals. Exactly. Like I think that right. there's a balance expressed in. I think that it. Um, I think that we get like this sense with um, like foreshadowing in the movie with or foreshadowing like culture with MySpace. Very you true. know what I mean? And them finding each other 
in the way that they did, but then him being able to go back and like review her and then to find her feminism, her womanism, her black feminism through MySpace first and then for her to explain herself through the shirt, mm-hmm. you know. Um, Be- because she has f- uh, female filmmakers and because, on her shirt. Right. And because she has this whole brain that is not like wired for him. Mm-hmm. It's like her own thought and her own ideas relate as it relates to like everything that she's consumed up until the moment she met him, you know? And I think that when we talk about forming, cause what they did, they formed a mini gang that day. You right. know what I mean? Yes. They rolled as a crew. Right. Yep. They could have right. named themselves right. and made a handshake. Right. Right. They were riding, the, they were riding their bikes they through the streets rode, of San they Francisco. Was a bike they, gang. they were a bike crew. They were a crunch crew. Yeah. They had like that moment. Yeah. They had that in so many ways. And we do that and we do that in our relationships and we've done that with, you know, bringing together the Afrofuturist affair and all of the thinkers that the scholars, the black intellectual, the black creatives that came together to lift that up. The matripolarity, those black scholars, those black intellectuals, creatives, black triples, the same thing. And at the same time, like, the 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 what is it called the moniker the moniker never exists it can't exist without the thought right. of each of the individuals and that cri- the critical analysis of like life black life in particular right you know right you said um something uh Vince you said you found this movie and maybe we're talking about the movie in general um but heartbreaking like what it, did you mean it, by yeah. that I, I think yeah. I, I think I'm a fan of San Francisco specifically. Like like I'm a big 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 fan of San Francisco and Oakland and the way that they were and and I feel comfortable using the past tense were because I think San Francisco the way people loved it is pretty much gone. I mean just When you say that what do you mean? Like like the I mean I mean the energy I mean the um the heterogeneous types of people that that live there. I mean the 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 sort of uh, progressive vision and and that that kind of permeated the, the 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 rocks and the bricks yeah. of San Francisco. But I gotta challenge you because the oh, thing please, is, please do because I I would love to be wrong about the this. The thing is that the San Francisco you visited, however many years ago, and were disappointed by was a San Francisco that went through a lot in order to maintain whatever semblance of culture um, it did. The African American Museum there, Mm -hmm. um, I visited almost uh, five years, six years ago, and had an amazing, my my children and I lived in in the Bay, well, lived in American Canyon, Napa Valley, and then were in the Bay hard for a month and a half. And that was a hub for us. Mm -hmm. And we listened to stories about how difficult it was to keep that museum. The San Francisco that you see today is the San Francisco that the African-American Museum fought to stay inside of. So I think that like we had to be careful about judging places um, based on what we knew them as in the same way we have to be careful about judging people in that way, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Because San Francisco's been through a lot. The Oakland has been through a lot. 
those those two cities have I won't say single handedly, but we have to recognize that they held up the West Coast in terms of a Mecca for black radical and queer radical thought and action. But is it still there? Absolutely. The thing is that those people are now in legislation. Thank God. Okay. You know what I mean? Like there are things that are easier in terms of infrastructure in the cities. There are challenges, no doubt still. However, I think that like it's a not cutting off the nose to spike the face situation. And it takes having a love affair in a city to appreciate what the city has to offer. I think maybe you should go and fall in love there again. I I, I had already fallen in love with it. I, <laughs> I mean, you fall in love, have your love no, moment. Right, right. No. In the city. I love San Francisco. I love Oakland. Um, you know, I talked about them specifically, but you, you know, again, like, like we've talked about, even in the 15 years that I've been in Philadelphia, I feel like Philadelphia has changed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, New York, you know, I went to, I went to college right outside of DC. So I basically grew up in DC, DC, the DC that I knew and loved is sort of gone. And, and, and that is that that it breaks my heart. And I think, you know, I'm not saying anything kind of new or, or, or radical, this, this sort of these changes that the modern American city is going through, which could be good or good. You, you know, again, I got to challenge you again. Please do. Because please do. San because Francisco I want them to be that there. You're talking about and the San Francisco that we even see in the film is young San Francisco. Have you maybe aged out of experiencing young Philadelphia and young San Francisco? I'm in this interesting place where I kick it with the young people. And so I get to see the new pockets that existed back when in different spots. There are new clubs that that stuff happens in. In Philadelphia, in D.C., in Baltimore, I will say I haven't aged out of. Like I've actually watched them. All right. Well, I feel like you should. We should party. And like, I want to introduce you to some folks because I'm kicking it with some black radicals that are growing food, that are loving life, that are hailing up their city, that are actually involved in policy and change in a really dynamic way that are like bucking the system. Do they have affordable housing? And they, they, you know, they're navigating that. So they're also, but the thing is, they're also being creative in a way that maybe we're not now that we've got kids. Sure. sure. They're creating co-ops inside of squats. No. They're taking these risks that are, that they're doing the thing that we need them to do in order for us to do what we do. I, I guess, I guess my concern based on what has happened is that are they creating new spaces or are they inadvertently being the first wave because I, so many of these spaces, yeah. you know, you had these people that, that do, exa- in, yeah. you know, exactly what you're saying. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, and, 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 and again, I don't think it's, it's anything that people do on purpose, obviously, sure, sure. but ultimately, you know, these areas, these communities get a certain cachet mm-hmm. and then Starbucks opens up. Well, so I, I am a first wave gentrifier of Philadelphia, okay. I'm, I'm of North Philadelphia in particular. I am one of the reasons why Brewery Town is no longer, Art Museum is no longer, Francisville is no longer known as North. You can't even call it North. And 
I look at folks and I'm like, nah, like me and my kids go to athletic in the summer to go swim. That's North Philly. But I'm clear of my privilege. And I think that that's the actual dynamic thing. And what we saw in uh, Medicine for Melancholy is that that internal dialogue, that grappling with oneself and then challenging someone else because we recognize that they're a reflection of us. They're showing us something about ourselves. Um, that's the conversation that millennials are actually having. And while people are busy saying that they're lazy, they're actually doing a lot of cerebral work to understand what the hell they've been dropped in because their parents are not explaining the society to them the way that it actually is because their parents are not, I don't, what is, what am I even falling in Gen Y? I don't even Gen, Gen right, Yer. Right. Like they're, I'm not their parent. So right. what's happening is I'm their homie. That's a little bit uh, right. too You're their old older to sibling. date them, yeah. a little too old to like drink with them, but I'm gonna kick it with you hard. And I'm going to let you spit some ideas to me and I'm going to work with you. Actually, I'm going to employ you. You're going to run my programs. You can teach these kids. And it's, it's dope as shit. Like, it's dope. Philadelphia is lit right now. Like, there are so many dope young organizations that are having a seat with the city council that are sitting with the president that are endorsed by large initiatives that are getting funding through large foundations. And they are, they did the work of having these grapples with themselves, with their lovers, with their homies, and then bucking the system being unemployed, maybe even homeless, maybe having drug issues, maybe this, maybe that, all the things that we had to contend with once upon a time. And we just like, like they still as dope as I'm saying they are, they don't get the movie dope actually kind of, kind of that's coming up, coming up, kind of on the list. There we go. Coming up. But the movie dope, like kind of, talks about it but then there's between dope like the the high schooler and us there's this group of 20 somethings mid 20 somethings that are having their way with the system right now and that are creating a new world and that are up and coming and that are making impacts and i think that they are the ones and i i mean i feel like i include myself in it i feel like like i had that love affair that we saw in that movie Mm -hmm. i've had many of those i might even be having one right now and like it inspired the challenge and the innovation around the gentrification and not being new, like first wave, but being a placemaker and deciding to acknowledge my privilege, acknowledge our privilege and do the work in a way that would do the least amount of harm in a city that we all love, whether it's San Francisco or Philadelphia or Baltimore or Detroit, like it's happening all over our country. You're right. I'm going to go with you. Let's have right. it. Let's set that intention. And somebody go distract Whole Foods and Starbucks. I'm going to just eat out their bulk bins. <laughs> <laughs> Samples. I, I do want to close out this show. Um, yes. I'm, st- I'm still here, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, this is Len. Let me reintroduce myself to you. Oh, no. As a guest star on the. Uh, <laughs> The Charlie and Vince show. <laughs> uh, I, I, I do want to say that um, there's a, a lot of critics out there have hailed this um, three movie series by Richard Linkletter. 
the that started with Before Sunrise, right? Um, back in 1995, starring uh, Ethan Hawke and Julie Delpy, basically about two t- uh, two people that come together, fall in love, and then throughout two sequels, Before Sunset and Before Midnight, um, done years later. This was the 1995, and the second one's in 2004, and then in 2013. In re-examining their careers and the movies, much like a lot of Richard Linkletter movies, are um, praised for their being dialogue heavy and for being because they're dialogue heavy and just being these slices of life. Their um, examination of this couple and what it takes to be a couple, what it means to be in love, and and what have you. Um, I would invite if they haven't for Richard Linkletter, um, especially and Ethan Hawke and Julie Delpy and any fan of that movie series to check out Medicine for Melancholy. Because while I was a fan of a couple of those movies, I, I didn't really like the, the most recent one, but I like the first two. They have nothing on this movie. This mm. movie could teach mm. them both lessons mm. about natural dialogue, about just being together, what it means to be together, what it means to actually watch, sit back and watch two people grow comfortable with one another and, and appreciate each other's space, appreciate who each other is and find their way of finding a way to work around that, to find their place to, have a bond and have a relationship in this one day, in that one day, in that one fantastic closing scene where you see him sleeping on the couch and it scans the, his apartment in full color because now they're out of the gray area. They're right. now, they're now back in real life. They're, they're back in the world and it scans his, his apartment and you're looking for where is she? Is she making a breakfast? Is she in a bathroom or whatever? And then you realize, no, she's where you you found out she's on the street and she's going, she's leaving. Fantastic closing. In that one film, hour and a half, they did more than these three films. These six hours of those films did. Melanin. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Great film. Yeah. Great film. Yeah. So obviously... We would recommend people watch this. I would recommend you watch this wholeheartedly. This is available for right now on uh, Netflix. So if you're Netflix, um, if you're a Netflix subscriber, you can check this out. Medicine for Melancholy. It is definitely a must see. Um, this was, I really appreciate it uh, watching this film. Six thumbs up. There you go. Six thumbs up. Um, Charlie Brownskin. Yes. Thank you for having me. Thanks mm. for coming. This is so fun. This was this was a pleasure. <laughs> this was indeed a pleasure. If any of our uh, listeners to the Michelle Mission want to get in touch with you via social media in, in any type of way, how will they do so? Oh, um, at Charlie Brownskin on Instagram, at Charlie Brownskin on Twitter. Dope. Mm-hmm. Nice. There you go. Um, there you go, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Next week, we'll have another film. 
here on the Michelle Mission. <laughs> right. I have an idea of what I want to do. I know I I know we actually put out. I, was, one of the next, <laughs> I hear you being coy. I thought we put the schedule. We pretty much put it out. Right. And I actually think the next film. I actually think the next film is dope. Okay. Dope. I actually think it is dope. I gotta I gotta double check that. If it's I not, think you told me it was. Well, there you go. Okay. Well, if it if it wasn't, it is now. All right. It will be dope. All Can right. I come review it with you guys. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to answer now. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> if we can make it happen, sure. There you go. Hey, you bring wine, so. <laughs> And biscuits. She, she brings biscuits, man. She brings biscuits. She actually didn't share the biscuits. She had eaten the biscuits. Well. Oh, I, I got the biscuit. See? <laughs> this is how dissension starts. <laughs> oh, no. I know. She's sowing them seeds. You I know? This is just seeds. how it starts. I have more in the car. See? I got your biscuit in the yes. car. Yes. It's fine. I put it in the seatbelt on the passenger side. <laughs> Safe. Ladies and gentlemen, um, thank you for following the Michelle Mission. You can yes. find each and every show on MichelleMission.com. You can also subscribe to iTunes or SoundCloud. If you su- subscribe to iTunes, we really appreciate it. If you leave a comment, yes. leave a comment on iTunes and let us uh, let us know um, what you think of the show. That goes a long way to helping uh, boost our ratings up there on yes. iTunes and let yes. people see us um, and we, we, we get out there. We did make, I didn't, uh, I wanted to mention it to you. It was like the top new hunt top 200 and we were like maybe like 154 but we were 154 I mean, of the new and new noteworthy dude. podcast on itunes so that was kind of dope that oh, is dope that I'm was dope for you now that's dope there you go awesome. you know what i mean tell your friends tell your neighbors please tell your friends tell your mama please tell them um like us on facebook like us on facebook you can find us on facebook uh, at the michelle mission you can find us on twitter at mission michelle uh, where we announce all of our shows coming up and stay tuned to, to the website because eventually, you know, once uh, Vince gets done with his new baby duties, oh, he's going to get that blog. Oh, you just put running. me out there. Yes, yes. I got to get home and do a feeding right now. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Um, all right. We will be back next week. Next week. With uh, another stop on the Michelle mission for Charlie Brownskin. And for Vince, this is Len. In parting, we say, "Whoop a dub dub dub." It's time to bid adieu, it's been a pleasure knowing you, I'll see you when it's time to meet again.